You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Tell me some stories about the uh, Patriots, Dad. You got some stories from the Patriots? Oh, man, I probably have more more stories about the Patriots than any other place. Here we go. Here we go. My popcorn's buttered and my seat is pulled up. Let's hear it. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. What would be the the most appropriate? No, I'm just saying. Just playing. uh, But you know what? Actually, when I was playing with the the Patriots, I was probably (laughs) like I was more in the zone there than any other place. You know, um, that was when I, I really kind of learned my philosophy, how I play, and trying to and figure out my niche and, and things of that nature. You know, um, I really kind of honed in on specific things that um, that helped me, you know, understand my game more than anything else. I can remember, yes, uh, we were playing against uh, New York Jets, and uh, Revis was the cornerback at the time. And, you know, I was a practice squad player. And so I have to be, you know, Revis <laughs> this week. And Revis is like, you know, hella handsy. You know, he's going to grab you. He's going to like extra physical at the line of scrimmage. Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, he's like, all right, well, he's likely going to shadow Wilker. So I'm just like shadowing Wilker all, all, all week long. And he's like, well, I know that because actually when I first got there, one of my biggest problems was, you know, being handy and grabby. But this was down the line, like down the field, I mean. So, like, you know, 10, 15 yards down in the play, you know what I'm saying, I had a habit of reaching out and grabbing the receiver right. when I first got to New England. And, you know, saying they had to break that out of me. And they were like, you know, you can't do that. That's a pass interference in the NFL. Sure. You know, so you can get away with those things in, in college ball. You can't do that in the NFL. Right. So that was what I had to break as far as a bad habit. but. You know, saying he's like, you know, I want Belichick is telling me I want you to grab, uh, you know, Welker all week, you know, especially at the at the line of scrimmage. You know, what I'm saying, you know, just grab him. You know, I mean, be extra physical. And in doing that, you know, and I was able to kind of understand leverage. Like, you know, I can grab a guy and keep my inside leverage, and then really eliminate his route. You know, um, before it even starts, and have you know, the quarterback look at a different option. You you get what I'm saying? And I was disruptive all week long, you know, and that helped develop my my um my philosophy of how to play cornerback to from a from a greater level. And so, you know, I handled welfare and uh, you know, I kinda just thought to myself like, wow, I, if I can do this and practice is always hard in the game, especially if you practice right, you know, so like, you know, if I can do this up against, you know, Wes Welker is a pro bowler at the time, you know, I can do this. You know what I'm saying? I, said, I, had to, I got my confidence that way. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was just being able to get in the zone and, and learn a lot, from, you know, just from the philosophy and those little small nuggets from Doug Tech, you know what I'm saying, um, talking to me uh, about what to do and how Revis is really doing, what he's really doing, how he's playing it, you know, and, uh, you know, the following season, when uh, Ocho Cinco got there, you know, by that time I took what I learned during that season and I perfected it during the off season. And I got back up there to New England and Ocho Cinco was there. And um, so we was in camp and it was like one of the early days and I'm lined up against, against them and, you know, press man three by one, I'm the backside one, you know, or something like that. Either way it goes, you know, Ocho Cinco in the middle of the play, disrespectful. He goes and looks at Brady. He's like, 
look who's guarding me, basically. Like, he said that. Like, who's guarding me? Like, you know, like, let's go. Let's go. Deep ball. You feel me? Oh, so he, God. And, you know, it's, it's camp. So it's like, it's like, you know, it's like fans there. It's not just, you know, just a team where it just feel like family. Like, you can embarrass me if I'm talking about family. It's not a real embarrassment. You know what I'm saying? But there's like fans here. You feel me? You over here trying, you trying me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, Ultra Singles calling me out. And so I just, I mean, I jammed him up. And the same thing happened. I played it the same exact way, you know? Um, and so he was just locked up. And I remember after that practice, we ended up even doing like some, some release drills. And I ended up going against Ocho and, you know, him getting nothing. Like he can't even like get off the ball. And like after practice, he was like, man, we, we got to work. Like I can't get off the jam with you. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> that was uh so that was a moment. So I, I used to, you know, work after practice with Ocho. Um so that was a uh, that was a that was a moment. There was a there was a time where I think he well I know he was dating uh, uh some celebrity. But uh we was in the camp in the hotel and he wanted me to open the back door, let her in. I was like, Man, hey, nope, not me. I'm not getting cut for nothing stupid for you. <laughs> you know what I'm right, right. Because well, Uncle <laughs> Uncle Bill would cut you immediately, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh huh. You know, so I wasn't about to do it. He wanted me to open the back door for, for Evelyn or whatever her name was. You know what I'm saying? So that was uh, another little nugget. You That's know what I'm funny, saying? man. He was dating some chick and try. What What was it like? Were you guys staying like a dorm or what? We was at a hotel. Okay. You know? We was at a hotel. And, know, and, how, and, and and how would how would the coaches have known that you opened the door? Did they have like oh, tape? I have on? no idea. Did they have tape on I the door no or something? Mm. Well, I don't know. Shit. With Belichick, with Belichick, with Belichick, you, you know he probably had cameras everywhere, bro. He, he probably had he probably had eyes and ears all over that place. So that was a smart move, dude. It wasn't gonna be me. I wasn't gonna find out. He, he wanted he wanted you to let her in. That that's a bad sign because if he's asking you to let her in, that means your ass is gonna get in trouble, and he's not. Like, right. yeah. Uh-huh. That's funny, man. That's a that's a great story. It's these are really good, Dad. You got any other stories from the Patriots? Oh, um, I got a lot, man. But uh, this is it keeps it in the the line of threes. I'll tell a Cardinal story. Okay, um, let's do it. And uh, so I was with the Cardinals, and I remember it was they actually signed me um, off of a you know strained hamstring. So I had like really like just strained my hamstring, mm-hmm. and um, they were like, you know, whatever, <laughs> we still gonna find you. I was like, okay, like I was like talking to my agent, like you not tell him that <laughs> you know, I just strained my hamstring. You feel me? Yeah, I told him, but you know, it's like one of those situations. Like you gotta play hurt, man. I play hurt like most of the college anyway. So I was like, whatever, you know, I just gotta tough it out. So you gotta play smart. So um, first rep. The first rep one on one. Guess who I line up against? Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald in the slot, too. Right? <laughs> so, you know, either way, you know, man, he's going to the slot against me. And so, one thing that I learned from even being at the Colts was first impressions mean a lot. You know what I'm saying? And so, I saw, I saw a guy that made a play 
interception, his very first rep with the coach, right? And from that point on, the coaches started treating him differently. He started getting opportunities, you know, and opportunities are really all you need. You know what I'm saying? You got some reps to, and more opportunities to make some plays. Yada, yada, yada. That kid ended up making the team. And so I remembered that. And so I said, man, I got to make a good first impression. On top of that, I'm lined up against Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I can make a play right here. I can make a name for myself. But like I said, my hamstring is, you know, strange. <laughs> you know, so I say, well, what's my best way to do it? I'm trying to just dominate him at the snap of the ball. But we're talking about Larry Fitzgerald here. Right. I'm saying so. Right on the snap, I jump jammed him. I just ran it. I just got in his chest. You know what I'm saying? Like the, right from the beginning. You know, but he's so strong, and that's one thing that I learned from playing against him is he just push pulled me, ran in his route, and I'm in trail position. He caught the ball, and you know he said something about you know he actually you know what from that point on. He used to call me like Scrappy. He used to call me like Scrappy Doo or something crazy like that. You know <laughs> Scrappy Doo. That was right because you know that was just like my way of playing smart. Especially if I got a press, I don't really want to get down the field with him because my hamstring was hurting. It wasn't me trying to, you know, be that Scrappy Doo, but I was just trying to, you know, uh, adjust, make it work somehow. You know what I'm saying? Um, and even when it comes down to, um, Playing in some of those games, like I remember, it was, a, it was a preseason game I played in, and my hamstring was, was was shot. You know what I'm saying? And we we're playing. Um, did you did you inject you your know, hamstring like, with anything, Thad? Oh no, 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 not at all. You know, I, I didn't. I just kind of just you know. Did you get some Ben Gay or something on it? Some Flexol or something? Dude, I don't know, man. But it didn't help much. You know, wrapped it up. I had limited mobility, and so I think it was. Uh, we was on punt return and I was anti-gunner you know that gunner's job is to get down there and make the play on the punt right punt returner you know right. what I'm saying and so I'm thinking like, I can't get into a foot race with this guy you know what I'm saying I can't run you know my hamstring shot so I'm gonna do the same thing I did against you know fit um during this during that one-on-one smash you know, him at the, the line I'm gonna, jump. I'm just gonna right I'm gonna jump down you know what I'm saying right and so that's what I did. And uh, he gets into, we're basically wrestling with each other on the sideline. And, you know, I did my job. He didn't go down there. He didn't get the chance to go down there and make a tackle. You know what I'm saying? But I got to fight with this dude because my hamstring's falling off the bone. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> off the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, I was praying to God that that was going to be my only rep of that game. And that was the only time I ever prayed not to play. But my hamstring was truly hurting. And uh, I ended up, end up playing a little bit more in that game and, uh, you know, just playing back and back pulling out of there, you know what I'm saying, trying to protect the deep ball, you know what I'm saying. And uh, Tim Tebow was quarterback, um, and he ended up throwing the touchdown against the corner on the other side, and I was just glad to get off the field, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but, yeah, I hated well, Tim, Tim Tebow's. God, again, you know. <laughs> I hated Tim, Tim Tebow. Tebow so much, bro. God, fuck Man, that guy. He was, Jesus. It was a. Uh, he definitely wasn't the greatest of talent when it comes to quarterback play. You know what I'm saying? But not in know, NFL, but leader, college. As they say, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, he was a great college quarterback. You know, 
I, I still watch some of those old Florida games. I mean, it's just the, 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 everything's so much better. The DBs are better. You know what I'm saying? The routes are more precise. You know, the, the things you have to do to be good at quarterback in NFL is, is a lot more technical. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you got to be on point. Like, the, the throws that these guys can make, you know what I'm saying? The difference between six inches is, is the difference between a catch and a pick, you know what I'm saying, coming from the college game to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? You got it, man. If you missed six inches, you know. It's, so. it's a game of inches, baby, just like Al Pacino yeah. in any given Sunday, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six inches in front of your face. <laughs> right. It's still not the truth. Real. That's funny, man. Those are yeah. those are some high quality stories from the pros, Sad. Those that's uh stuff that you never you never get to hear about. Hearing all this behind the scenes stuff, this is this is premium content, Thad. You got this is great <laughs> stuff, dude. I'm, uh, I'm glad you're liking it, man. This, this is epic. Um so talk to me about Bill Belichick. Like what were you what was like what was it like being around Bill Belichick? Um you know, it's a, it, it makes things a very tense. You know what I'm saying? Um, you pass him in the hallway, and you're kind of like, should I say good morning? Hello, Bill. You know what I'm saying? Hi, right, Bill. How are like, you? He, he, just has this, he just has this demeanor that he's not trying to talk about anything other than football. At least when he's in that office, you feel me? Like, you know, he has a good personality. You can tell. You know what I mean? But he's just so about his business. You know, you know what I mean? So it just makes it, you know, kind of awkward, you know. Um, just those passing by moments, you know what I'm saying, like at work. But he's he's so smart. I learned so much uh, from him, um, from the, the defense and really what the offense is doing and, and just his style of coaching and how he gets us prepared to play that, you know, uh, it's unmatched, man. Um, he really is a great coach. Um, so I learned a lot a lot from him, just from the, my core principles kind of come from some of the things that he taught me, especially from the, from the defensive side of the ball, what the defense is trying to do, you know, um, and how the offense is really trying to attack it. You know, so, you know, just for example, like, you always got to, like, defend the middle of the field. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it starts there. You know, and whatever scheme that you do, if you really understand your, you know, your key principles, then it kind of falls back on that. You know what I'm saying? Like it kind of whether it's where my leverage should be, whether I want to funnel them. There's any questions, you know, you want to defend the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? So it's a wealth of knowledge. I was I was blessed to, to be around them and, and uh, be able to put a couple nuggets in my bag. And, uh, you know, sure. Hey, and you got nugget, nuggets for this podcast, man. Hey, Thad, what was it like uh, being around Tom Brady? I'll be honest. I, I hate Tom Brady, but I, it's like <laughs> Belichick. I, I hate both of those guys, but I respect what both have brought to the game, all right? Like, let's put it this way, Thad. I would rather have you on my podcast than Tom Brady. I fucking hate Tom Brady, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll say, like, I guess a weird story just from observing them. Like, you know, it was, I wouldn't, I can't say I spent a bunch of time with them, you know, being on the decent side of the ball. But, you know, uh, 
know, I, the dude is obsessed with his abs. You know, uh, he would be in the back of practice, you know, when defense is up or whatever, and, like, he's just doing crunches, doing crunches. And think about it, he doesn't even have, like, great abs. <laughs> you know like, You're right, steady, dude. Steady work on his floor, man. Uh, so I guess that might be something that, you know, quarterbacks need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, one of the small mechanics or four muscle group or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But that was one thing I observed uh, from him. But uh, ultra competitor, though, you know what I mean? Uh, sure. I've never really been around a quarterback to have, you know, as much of an opinion about what the damn defense is doing more than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, him, like, him, right, and, him and Peyton Manning probably be, crazy yeah. opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that that was that was one thing about him though. But that just goes to his uh willingness or, or you know, desire to win, you know. One of the things I, I remember when uh Tom Brady was yelling he was yelling fuck at the refs after remember uh <laughs> at, there was a pass interference against uh Luke Keekley was all over Rob Gronkowski in the Panthers Patriots mm-hmm. game and the Patriots <laughs> lost. And Brady, as he's walking off the field, is like, you motherfucker, that's a bullshit call. And like, anyways, anyways, everyone was like ripping Brady for using F-bombs. He goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, sometimes there's no better way to express the way I feel than a good F-bomb. <laughs> well, well, he's right. I can't, I can't say. He's yeah. right. He's right. Say he told a lie. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's right, man. I, I totally back Brady and cussing. People are just oversensitive and soft. Give me a break. It's like there's way worse stuff said between the lines than people realize. You know what I mean? And that's just that's part of the game, man. Like, uh, right. And Dad, like, I know you like you like talking shit to like get yourself fired up. It was you got any funny oh, yeah. stories about talking shit to anyone? Man, I, I I'm pretty sure uh, other people have stories uh, about me talking. Shit. <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you, I took it to another level. You know, what I'm saying? I used to do research. You know what I mean? Oh, so, that's, I, <laughs> that's what I love, I, man. I, you know, this is great. You know, yeah. so. I used to, I used to, I used to go above the M when it comes to getting, getting underneath somebody's skin, you know. But uh, that was just something that I, I just kind of, it was like self motivation, like you said, man. Just kind of keep me into the game, you know what I mean? Like I didn't want it to seem, you know, passive. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be personal. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what's gonna keep me engaged. You know what I'm saying? So if if I gotta call him a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to get him pissed off to say something like, okay, now we're playing football. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't know. That was that was just kind of my kind of my mindset, you know. Uh, love it, dude. You know, that's, it worked. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite kind of stuff, dude. I love that shit. To me, it's like that's that's part of the game within the game. You know what I mean? If you if you let someone rattle you when they're trying to push your buttons. It's like that's what Dennis Rodman. He was an artist at that, at at pushing guys' buttons. I'll never forget how pissed off 
Sean Kemp would look because Rodman, Rodman literally face Sean Kemp. He would stand right beside him and look at him during free throws. God, you could tell Sean Kemp's blood was boiling, bro. Like furious. But that was part of Rodman's gift is he played the game within the game and he knew how to piss people off, man. When you say Sean Kemp, man, to me, that just sounds like the golden age of basketball for me. You know, think about how physical Sean Kemp is, Dennis Rodman, and at that time, basketball was a collision sport. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now, you know, it's just like hand check foul. Yeah. <laughs> you know let's, like, let's, so, sit, let's sit you know, outside you know, and shoot threes all day. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're going to watch hard and drill between his legs. 17 times, and then drive straight to the basket and pull up. You know, I'm tired of seeing it. I, you know what? I wish that so to a certain degree, you know, I can coach defense for basketball players because, man, these motherfuckers need to learn how to uh, move laterally. I agree. Like, I I'm agree, I'm tired Seth. of seeing it. Like, I'm tired of seeing it. I know that they're 65, but you got to drop your hips, man. Like, move laterally. I'm so tired of looking at it, man. But you know that's just a whole that's a whole another change that I can get into. That's funny, you know, man. Especially being a de- being a defensive guy, understanding how to keep a guy in front of you. Hey. I mean, they got a basketball in their hand for Christ's sake. <laughs> you can't keep them in front of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Goodness gracious! Oh, that's you know? hilarious, man. <laughs> hey, you want to? You want to learn how to play some defense, man? We got the guy here in Charlottesville, my man Tony Bennett, baby. There's no one better. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I know Tony Bennett. Oh, Tony. Yeah. Um, Dad, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I want to. I want to hear your thoughts on on L. Jacks. Like stat about Lamar Jackson on throws that traveled at least 15 yards in the air. Jackson ranked. 24th in completions, 35, and 22nd in completion rate, 43.8%. And Jackson was 6 of 17 on such throws in the divisional loss to the Titans. Listen, I love watching Lamar Jackson play. Electric player. He brings so much excitement and everything to the game. My question for you, Dad, is... Is uh, is Lamar Jackson going to be able to improve enough as a passer to make himself a legitimate threat as a passer? Because let's be honest, right now with the Ravens, what you want to do is you want to get them playing from behind and make L. Jacks throw the ball constantly because once he's in that mode, dude, he's in trouble. But, God, dude, talk right. about an incredible runner. Jesus. Yeah, you're right. He, he's a He's a outstanding runner but you know for the, I mean but how you talk about you know stopping the Baltimore Ravens is how you stop any offense you know what I'm saying um if you can get them one dimensional then then you know what's going on like it's hard to throw the ball on third and long <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying like it's a lot it's a lot easier to throw the ball in first and ten or second and two you get what I mean like uh you get in those situations because you can't run the ball you know, so, um, you know, he, they, they've got the run game is important, but that to me, that just makes them that that's part of his game. That's what makes their offense so dynamic, you know, but you saying that he's like the 24th ranked quarterback, 
you know what I'm saying, in those passing situations down the field, you know, that tells me that there is room for improvement. And his mechanics, I would say this, from year one to year two, his mechanics improved tremendously. Tremendously. I saw him miss throw after throw after throw his rookie year. He was moving, he was, he was, uh, he was, you know, man, moving on the run and missed guys throwing on the run. He started to plant his feet and he actually, they, they actually ran a lot less of those type of plays for him in his second year. And you saw his numbers go up. So I think that his numbers is going to do nothing but improve like as the years go on and he gets better and better um, with his footwork and things of that nature. And coaches actually really understand, you know, um, the play calling that's best fit for him. You get you know what I'm saying? Uh, they've Absolutely. already done a tremendous job, you know, um, adjusting their offense for that type of player. But I think they can, they're going to improve and continue to get better and better at it. Absolutely. Greg Roman, one of the best coaches in the NFL that I really love what Greg Roman did with that offense. Absolute uh, genius. You know what, what he did, what he did with Lamar Jackson. Super impressive. See, I was, I was keeping an eye on this off season to see if, if he left that offense, we, we all knew that if he leaves the offense, like, I'm not investing in L Jacks. You know what I mean? Like L Jacks needs that offensive coordinator to stay there long term. Like if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm gonna be like, Coach, listen, like Absolutely. what have I got to do to keep you here, man? I will buy you like an extra house. Like what what do you want, coach? I will I I will pay whatever you need to keep you here. Because Lamar Jackson's future is tied to that offensive coordinator. There's no question about it. You know, one thing I was thinking about that for this podcast was, you know, they have the Michael Vick ride, you know, the Michael Vick experience. And since Lamar Jackson broke Michael Vick's rushing record last year, with over 1,200 rushing yards, my question to you is, I think they should make a L-Jax, uh, an yeah. L-Jax ride. What do you think about that? that the Lamar Jackson Man. experience. I mean, that would be exciting, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just to, I'm thinking about that spin move that everybody's talking about that he did back in uh, was 2019 season last year. The Bengals. Um, oh. I mean, goodness oh, gracious. Shit. I mean, he just looked amazing. You know what I'm saying? And, but that's what you know. That's what that's, that's what this game's going to. It's it's more exciting, you know, to see those guys can do more things with the ball in their hand. They can throw it. They can run it. You know, so just being a dynamic player. Um, I mean, let's just get real. I mean, like the play's gonna be ran through the quarterback. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, so the better and the more that guy can do, you know, what I'm saying the more the, the more the offense can do. I mean, yeah, it's a like I said, it's an ultimate team sport, and the offense coordinator and the offense, you know, what I'm saying, have a plays a big part in it, you know, what I'm saying, but you know, it's not going to be the same if they're running, you know, a, a different offense, you know, what I'm saying, like you got to call plays, you know, what I'm saying for for the guy, that would be, but to see some sort of to go through being the helmet of Lamar Jackson, you know, what I'm saying, and, and the year that he had, shoot. That'd be pretty exciting, man. I really would. But, however, seeing Michael Vick, you know, saying split those defenders against the Vikings in the, what was that, the NFC Championship game or yeah. whatever whatever game yeah. that was, man. Um, to see that, you know, 
uh, being a being a Falcons fan, growing up in Atlanta, Metro Atlanta, nothing gets better than that. It, you know, what I'm saying nothing gets better than that. Like that, that's it. That's it. You know, like I got I gotta pay respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Lamar Jackson grew up watching Vic film. You know. Not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. Vic Vic was the trailblazer. Um, uh, One of my memories of Lamar Jackson in college, I was at the the Virginia-Louisville game, Thad, and get this. Virginia was up 25-24, and and Lamar Jackson pulls up from like the 35, Thad, and throws Mm -hmm. this absolute dime over Juan Thornhill to Jalen yeah. Smith in the end zone. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. It was an absolutely epic dime to win the game for right. Louisville. It was like that, that one in the Heisman, because it was funny. He had two turnovers that game, Thad, and, and he really wasn't playing his best. He was throwing a couple balls in the dirt, but dude, he delivered the ice water in those veins when it, when it came time, bro. To pull up from the thirty-five and just it was it was a perfect ball, dude. It was one of those moments where you're like, you know what? I can't even say anything. Juan Thornhill was in perfect position. Lamar Jackson just threw an absolutely perfect pass. And the great Nick Saban once said, "You cannot defend a perfect pass." And Lamar Jackson right. threw a perfect pass in that moment to win the Louisville right. Cardinals that game. It was. It was unreal, dude. The crowd was just stone cold silent after that, dude. It was holy shit. It's, we all thought we were gonna win the game, you know what I mean? And he he dropped that dime, yeah. dude. The place got quiet real quick. <laughs> but Well, he, he certainly has the ability, man. The boy can throw the ball. You know, uh, that's just that's undeniable. The ball comes off of his hand with a tight spiral, you know what I'm saying? It reminds me like the spin that he gets on the ball really reminds me of like that natural lefty spin. You know, uh, it just cuts through the air, man. He can throw it. He can throw that field. So, you know, the ability is, is like, you know, top notch. Like, it doesn't get much better. You, you know what I'm saying? It really doesn't. Like, he can throw that ball. You know, so he's a, he's a generational talent for sure. You know, and then when he came out there and he goes to, to the combine or wherever it was, and he said, "No, I'm not running no forty. You already know I can run. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that should have been enough notice, you know. And, and we see, you know, GMs make the bad bad decisions or, or wrong assessments day in day out. You know what I'm saying? I write to this day. You know what I'm saying? I right. say it for Lamar Jackson. I can remember when Poley and himself said that he didn't believe in in, in, in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and um, I remember that. What's going on now? You know, and man, but these guys they they they're wrong all the time. They're wrong all the time. You know what I'm saying? Uh so and uh holy and probably more than others, you know, to be honest with you. But uh, uh he, they make mistakes out there in recruiting and um assessing talent, you know. Um and a lot of times it really comes down to, you know, the style that these coaches wanna run versus the player. And there's a disconnect when you have a GM and a head coach. Because you can design an offense or a defense that be, that's very specific, right? And that's what I, what I learned about Belichick. Everybody, everybody needs their job. Everybody had a job, right? So and him being the GM, there was some disconnect. So he wants a certain player to do this, this, and this. That needs to be their niche. That needs to be what they do best, right? 
And it, it, it didn't always match up to say, well, just because this guy's the best player on the board, it means that that's, what, that's the guy that we want. You know what I'm saying? Like, that may be true for you, but you might be looking for this type of player at this position to fit this offense or to fit my offense. You know what I'm saying? I, I actually believe that, you know, the, the offense should adjust to the players you have. Oh, absolutely. You know the, the great, the great so, coaches do that, that absolutely. Right. Right. So for polling to say that this guy didn't, didn't know if he was going to cut it as a quarterback, that just shows to say that, you know, you, you, you don't have the right coaches. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, if you can't make that work, you don't have the right coaches. You feel what I'm, you get what I'm saying? I agree. Like, don't, don't try to sit there and say that, you know, he can't get it done. No, you can't get it done. Yeah, you know, um, funny, funny thing about Lamar Jackson. When Polian said that, I'll be honest, I, I was pretty skeptical. Al Jacks coming in, happy to take my medicine on that, and and know that I was definitely wrong about Lamar Jackson as a quarterback in National Football League. I think that I think that a lot of it, you know, he got in the perfect landing spot, you know. If you mm-hmm. get in a if Absolutely. you get in a bad landing spot with a shitty coach oh, yeah, like Adam like Adam Gase, that guy is absolute garbage. Jesus Christ. How does that guy <laughs> how does that guy still have a head coaching job? Like, my God. Like the Jets, like not right. only he ran the Dolphins into the ground in front of your face in your own division. And you right. want to say, Okay, right. we, we want him as our head coach. Like, get out of here, dude. Right. That guy's a Wow. Yeah, man. Uh, I, there's, there's a lot of good coaches out here that get overlooked. And I think that it really comes down to relationships. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that they, there needs to be more open communication with uh, assistant coaches and owners of teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I look at, like, you know, the uh, what's my man's name? Uh, McVay. Uh, Coach McVay. You know, he he has those, those relationships through, you know, his his uh, heritage, you know what I'm saying, like just from how he grew up and in, the, in, the, in his family. You know what I'm saying? Not a lot of people have that, you know what I'm saying, experience to build those relationships. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that the, the more that coaches, I mean, owners actually do that, they actually help themselves out and, and get the coaches, like, that are actually good versus just the guy that you know. Yeah, you, you I agree. I agree with that. Agree. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to deny the fact that you're going to hire people that you like. You know what I'm saying? But hell, get out there and meet more people. Then, hey, yeah, it's it's not about having friends. <laughs> like you want to win games. You know, Bill Belichick mm. is not. He's not loyal to any one person. You know, he's loyal to the player that's going to help him win at the cheapest price. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you, you need to, the yeah. great ones. The great ones are loyal to people that deliver results. You know, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, but you're right, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when it, even in coaching, um, you know, I tell I tell my players, you know, that's like first day conversation. I tell them, you know, I, I do have favorites. My favorites are the ones that I can trust. One way, period. They don't have really have to do with anything else. Just can I trust you? Can I trust you're going to run the right route? Can I trust you're going to make the block? Can I, can I trust that you're going to know your assignment? Those are my favorites. Yeah, I play favorites. 
<laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's every coach plays favorites, you know, because of course the guy that makes the most plays is going to be a favorite as long as, as long as you're not an absolute like loony tune in the locker room, like Antonio Brown, <laughs> like God, right. that guy. Sure. Mm. There could be a whole nother Man. podcast about that guy. Jeez. He's, yeah. he's a yeah. mess. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts that Lamar Jackson was talking about how uh, he was intrigued. He wants the Ravens to sign Antonio Brown. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's a horrible grade, a horrible in all yeah. caps, horrible idea to try and sign Antonio Brown. He's mentally unstable. You do not want that guy in your locker room. I let someone else deal with that locker room cancer. God. You know, I actually tend to agree with you. You know, um, as much as I, I think that, you know, people deserve second chances and all, but we're not talking about no child here. Um, we're talking about a grown adult that has um, thrown his own teammates under the bus and Honest to goodness, like, be being a part of team, and I've had to deal with uh, receivers that have been disruptive because they are, you know what I'm saying, they're not getting their production. So, so now they throw their temper tantrum, their adult temper tantrum, you know what I'm saying? And it does kill a locker room. It does kill morale. It almost feels like, all right, we got to stop practice or we're in the middle of halftime, you know, the coach is giving us, you know, instructions for going out there. But instead of doing that, we got to go talk this receiver down off the cliff from quitting on us in the middle of the freaking game. You know what I'm saying? I, I've been a part of teams like that, and, and other people have too. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's almost like diminishing returns. Like, you know, how, how much was he really going to help you versus he really ended up hurting us because we're distracted thinking about getting this guy some freaking touches. You know what I'm saying? And like, like I've been saying this whole time, football is the ultimate team sport. You got to have 11 guys to do your job. And then at the receiver position, it, it, you have to do so much for you to get to a position where you, the ball is even thrown to you. You know what I'm saying? Like on top of the play call, you know, you got to have the line in the block. You got to have a certain read on defense. You got to have, you know, um, it, it, you it, it, a whole bunch of things. The read has to be to you. All right, so all these things have to align just for you to have a chance for the ball to be thrown to you. Then you got to beat your man or beat your zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so to sit there and think about the selfishness of, you know, why am I not getting the touches versus going out there and saying, what can I do to help my team win? You know what I'm saying? Now, by having that attitude, every single play, you can make an impact whether it be the block, whether it be the influence and the safety to get somebody else open or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? I just think it's extremely selfish. You got to have guys that are going to be able that, that you got to have 11 guys that, that are doing the right thing for it to have a successful play. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, now Antonio's on the field and we hadn't got a touch yet. And then we're in the third quarter and, now it's to keep his way, and because his energy's not there, because he has he, he's out and moaning. Now his, his blocker comes off, and he makes a tackle. What what is now a couple yard gain could have been a a big play. We could have won or scored. You get what I'm saying? Like, and it comes down to trust. Like, yeah. can I trust you? 
You know yeah. what I'm saying? I can't trust you gonna go out there and block if you're playing because you might not be have the the luxury to to swap guys in and out depending on the play. And on top of that, that shows our hand. Oh, we just gonna put Antonio Brown in when it's time to throw long. But hell no, that's not the way football works. Yeah, I you agree. Know what I'm I so agree. We can't trust you. And then we're not even talking about how that how how you know what I'm saying what he's done. You know what I'm saying in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, betraying people's trust in that regard, man. So, you know, like, man, you know what? He he he's had his time. He he he's made, and there's a lot of good players out there. You know what I'm saying? To be honest with you, I think that they got enough talent at the receiver position over there as it is. You know, not to say that they can't, you know, pick up another talent. I know that they could, but I mean, I don't know if that's their missing piece. Yeah, I, I agree, Thad. I think that uh, I totally agree with you that Antonio Brown would be far more detrimental to the Ravens or any other team in the National Football League than he would be uh, help to them. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, to me, quite honestly, like, it, it's just like he's just so destructive on every level. I mean, and not only that, you know, he's had multiple chances time and time and time again. How many fucking chances are you going to give this guy? Like he's a fucking crybaby. Like I cannot stand that guy. And not only that, like the way he tweets, like I'm going to retire. Oh, just kidding. Like, I, I mean, he's just, mm-hmm. he's mentally right. gone. Mm-hmm. Nobody that. believe that. He needs, Nobody believe that. he needs, <laughs> he needs to be like, just God, take him to a psychiatrist for God's sakes. Get him out of my face. I, I would never want that guy on my football well, team. Before you do that, before you do that, you just need to disable all the social media accounts. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that he said something that I had to go back and, and apologize for it or say, oh, I didn't really mean it that way or yada, yada. Man, come on, man. You know, maybe you need you need some sort of filter or something like Maybe you need to be able to, to spit these things out around your friends and somebody to tell you the truth, man. Hey, man, man, I don't know. Maybe you should be thinking this way. You know what I'm saying about it? Especially before you go out there and make it make it uh, known for everybody in the world to know how you're thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people need some, some safeguards. You feel me? Like, I don't know. He need to, he need to have uh, different people around him, man. But he seems to be the type of person that doesn't quite listen to anybody. Um, you know, him having such a, such a chip on his shoulder, you know, him feeling like he's undersized and coming from a small school, and now he feel like he's got a, you know, get his respect, you know what I'm saying? And, and that type of guy, man, sometimes he's not he's not trying to listen, you know? He, he thinks that his his chip or his stubbornness is what drove him to the success that he's gotten to. So he's not trying to listen at this point to nobody, man. So I think that uh, that he, he that he gonna, he's going to look up 10, 15 years later and be like, you know what, uh, I, I mentally uh, took myself out of, opportunities to play in the league longer. Oh, a- you know abso- what I'm absolutely. Not only it, that. It's not physical. It's not physical. Yeah. I mean, I look at the, 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 the his style of play. I mean, I haven't seen a guy, a receiver that can stack a DB like Antonio Brown. I mean, he gets you on your heels. Like, he, he does that really well. He, he, he is a good receiver. But right now, he's a mental midget. He, oh. he, he don't know. He's been a mental he midget mistakes. for a long time, Dad. <laughs> you know, for a, real. A mental midget. That's hilarious, Dad. Um, you know, 
funny, funny connection here. Um, Lamar Jackson played in the same Pop Warner League in Florida as Marquise Hollywood Brown, who, by the way, is Mm -hmm. on the Baltimore Ravens. You know, it was funny. Uh, I I saw the pictures of Lamar Jackson and Hollywood always together. I'm like, okay, like these guys are tight. And and now I get it. You know, they they played uh, Pop Warner ball. Well, they didn't play together. They played in the same league, but I really like yeah. Hollywood. What part of Florida is that in? What's what that? Part of did they grow up in? Uh, Lamar Jackson's from uh, Boynton Beach. He, he went to Boynton, Boynton Beach. Boynton Beach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about over there by Delray uh, Beach and um, uh, like a little bit in Fort Lauderdale, a little bit more north in Fort Lauderdale, and, I want to say. And by the way, if, if anyone's listening to this, you need to check out Lamar Jackson's high school highlights. Oh, my God. His high school helmets are some of my all-time favorite. Purple purple, and yellow tiger stripes on the helmets. Absolutely epic. And God, I mean, Lamar Jackson watching, watching his highlights, it's, you know, it's one thing to be fast, but Lamar Jackson, his ability to cut, at an extremely high yeah. rate of speed, it's got to be the best I've ever right. seen. It's like Reggie Bush, next level. Like his ankle right. and his leg almost get to like mm. like the the angle at which he cuts at such a high rate of speed. It's incredible, man. And right. like like you said, that that spin move against the Bengals, dude. Holy shit! Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a special talent now. He really is. All right. a lot of talent down there in that area. The country for yeah, real. Absolutely. Let's talk about Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. a little bit, Dad. One thing I got to make a correction on on one of the previous podcasts. I said I forget what the number was. It was like four hundred forty million for Pat Mahomes' contract when it first came out. His contract mm-hmm. ten years, five hundred three million dollars. I'll be honest. No one else is roasting Pat Mahomes for this, but I will go ahead and do it. Let me preface this by say saying, I love Pat Mahomes. I really do. I love him. I want him to be a Hall of Famer. I think he is. I think he'll win several Super Bowls. I don't know if it's going to be seven, like Tyreek Hill is saying, but, but you know, hey, you never know, man. It's like Charles Barkley said, Patrick Mahomes has got more weapons than the, than the federal government. <laughs> and, uh, the big thing I'm going to rip Pat Mahomes about is buying the part ownership stake in the Kansas City Royals. I get it. You're offered an unprecedented opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. I, my opinion is you should take that opportunity once you're done with your playing career because I think that as a player, it doesn't really mix you owning another franchise during that time. And not only that, you know, as well as I do, these contracts, you tear both your ACLs. Guess what? You're not in Kansas city anymore. And then you're going to be part owner of the Royals and you're not even going to be in the same city. You know what I mean? To me, Uh I, I think that he's just, he got a little too excited. I think he had too many people get in his ear and say, hey, man, you could be like part ownership of the Kansas City Royals. Now, that sounds great, but he ha- he doesn't really have that money. Like the $500 million, like, sure, he, he has like, uh, what's it, $140 million guaranteed, but, you know, a lot yeah. of that money you don't have yet. My point is, 
wait until you're done with your career. Wait until that money is in hand and, and wait until you're done with football. And then you could focus fully on being an owner of the Kansas city Royals. I think that kind of thing, you got to devote a lot of time to it because being a player and owner, I, I just, to me, why not focus for the next 15 years on being the absolute best player you can be? You know what I mean? You know, okay, so I agree with you in some parts of that. You know what I'm saying? But there's other parts that I don't agree with you with. Okay, for example, all right, I'm going to put it in, in terms like this. Okay, as an investment being a seed, okay, when does that seed start working? Once you put it in the ground. So put that, put it to use. Put that money to use. Man, so why wait another 10 years? You know what I'm, you get what I'm saying? Like, if it's a good investment, man, it's going to be, it's going to be even better that he made that investment when he did versus 10 years from now. Think how much money he'll make, how much that appreciate, um, in, within 10 years. Yeah, that's you know true. Like, I, I, di- I didn't put, think of that. Put that so. bad boy in the ground. You, you know what I'm saying? How, but I do, you get what you're saying? I, I understand. You know what I'm saying? As far as the focus and, and what it takes to, you know, be a business owner. And it's hard to juggle both. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's the common wise wisdom is to say, focus on one thing. Now, you're right. You know what I'm saying? I hope he can juggle it, but it's going to be, it, it might be tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm hoping that, you know, he puts his money up and it kind of starts working for him. He didn't really, he didn't have to, he didn't have any major decisions to make with Kansas City Royals and you know what I'm saying just money's making money and he's out there doing his thing trying to work on another deal by playing playing good with the with the Chiefs with the Chiefs now if he doesn't win seven championships it's going to be because of that contract alright so that's where I got a problem with it it's not necessarily with him get your money but when you got quarterbacks eating up 15 to 20 percent of your cap right what are you doing GM yeah. What are you doing? I agree, Thad. I agree. Way too they, they're paying so, these quarterbacks way too much money, Thad. Way too much. They're overpriced. They're overpriced. Absolutely, Period. Thad. I you know agree. I agree with you 110% on that, dude. They're overpaying the living shit out of these QBs. Do you realize Jared Goff is he makes more guaranteed money than Aaron Donald? That's messed up, Thad. That should right. not happen. That's bullshit. I mean, just look at the the uh, the most recent thing with uh, the Titans, and they paid Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Look at his payday. We're talking about, you know, what I'm saying who got them to that point? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's come on, man. Let's let's give let's give Derrick Henry fifty fifty two million dollars, and we're going to give Ryan Tannehill more than double that. Get out of here! Like so, so they paid Tannehill. And within him being a, a top ten quarterback, but can we can we say that he's a top ten quarterback? Can we really say that? Though? No, absolutely you, not. I don't think so. No, you get what I'm saying. Like just every single year, and I've been saying this since I've really been starting to study the game of football. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we're talking about high school, junior high school. Every single year, there is a quarterback, a quality quarterback you can pick up in free agency. Every single year, you know what I'm saying. This year it's Cam freaking Newton that they that, that the Patriots signed. You know what I'm saying for some kibbles and bits. <laughs> some kibbles and you bits. <laughs> you, you, yeah. So every single year you can get one. 
You get what I'm saying? If you're a good enough coach, you say, you're a good enough coach, you can teach a system because it's supposed to be a system. You know what I'm saying? And, and coaches make it so complicated that you got to have a PhD and they make it seem like that, you know, playing quarterback is brain surgery. You get, you get what I'm saying? Like, but it's supposed to be a system. The system's supposed to make it easy. You know what I'm saying? But it's so tough nowadays. They make it so complicated that you got to have your guy. And for that to happen, somebody to understand it, you know, we're going to, you know, invest 10 years in them. And now we got to give them $30 million a year. And that's going to eat up all the caps, man. Goodness gracious. I mean, there's quality guys out here. Shit, cap is still out of free agent. Now, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I see Colin Kaepernick and uh, Tannehill as a defensive coordinator. I'm looking at the two the two guys. Who would you rather play against if you were the D coordinator? I'd probably Either Colin uh, Kaepernick or Tannehill. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, probably Tannehill. Probably Cap. You want to know why? Because he can run with the ball and throw with the ball. You're not threatened by uh, Tannehill running with the ball. Not, oh well, I thought not, I thought you, I thought you were talking about as a, as a defensive coordinator. Who would you want to go against? So I was like, Tannehill oh, right, 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 right. yeah, can't yeah, yeah, yeah. run. I the, you're right. I phrased I phrased the question backwards. Right. So you're you're absolutely right. That's my point. So if you if you um if you're working against somebody, if you're playing against somebody like Kaepernick, you got multiple threats to worry about. Right, but he's a, he's undrafted. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's still a free agent. Yeah. I'm saying there's a lot of quality quarterbacks out here. You know, um, I just think there's just more, there's better ways to improve your team than spending 15 percent of your cap on a quarterback. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, so you know that could be something. I don't know the the exact details of Mahomes' um, you know saying deal, but if he don't win one of the championships, it's going to because it's going to be because of that. It's going to be because they didn't have enough money to get the players around them, you know what I'm saying, the way that they, you know, to help them out. You know, I look at, you know, Tom Brady in these last couple of years. You know, I mean, goodness gracious, he just didn't have any outside receivers. He didn't. And then with Brock being gone inside and Edelman was hurt, you don't have no weapons. He didn't have any weapons. So if you don't have the money to pay for weapons, whether it be for because of injuries or for whatever the reason, it's going to make it tougher for you to win. Yeah, I agree, you know? Thad. So, look, look no further than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, who both took pay cuts over the course of their career mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. Super Bowl caliber teams. Like, you, you know, the, the more you take, the less pie there's going to be for everyone else. I'm amazed that more of these quarterbacks don't realize that. It's like, guys, how much money do you really need? Like, really? Like, I, I get it. It's America. Yeah. Make as much money as you can. You know what I mean? But once you have, like, over, like, $200, $300 million, like, I mean, what are you really going to do with all that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's well, stupid because, to me, winning a championship is is priceless, in my opinion. And I think a lot of guys that made a lot of money would, would go back and they would say, you know what? If I could have taken less money and won a championship, I would have done that. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I would, I would probably think that you know a lot of them would. You know, you get what I'm saying. But uh, you never know, man. Um, it's hard to say that. It, well, you can't say, you know, don't get as much as you can, or especially 
you got I mean to think about it you're like get your market value that's what the market's paying them you, you feel me like right. it's shit who's gonna, who's gonna blame them for getting their market value you know I just don't like the the, the system um I just think that the quarterback's just eating up too much of the cap and I hate the way that running back uh get disrespected on their on their deals you know what I'm saying as yeah. well like, I think there might have to be something has to be done, man. Like they might have to be like some cap exemptions that they can uh, give one or two players um, on each team. That might be something that I think the league might need to look into. Yeah, I agree, dude. And I mean, look what Derrick Henry's done. Like that guy's taken an absolute beating. Like I just, I agree. Like the disparity between Derrick Henry's contract and Ryan Tannehill's contract how is nobody else making a bigger deal of that? Like that is so, right. that is beyond absurd. You know, like yeah. who's the yeah. MVP of the Titans? It's not Ryan Tannehill. It's not AJ Brown. It's Derek fucking Henry. That guy was the workhorse of that team. Like to me, it's uh, you, you want to talk about disrespect, dude. I, I saw Derek Henry's contract. I was like, what? Is that a mistake? Mm-hmm. 50, 52 no. million. What? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Was it, is it 52 over four years? Something like that. S- something like that. Um, I don't have yeah. the exact numbers, yeah. but it's, it's over 50 million. It's just to me, like, mm-hmm. ah, that makes me sick to my stomach. Derrick Henry had to cringe when he signed that. I mean, yeah, that, that, right. that makes and me think about it. He's probably, I was probably one of the better deals. Um, just to be honest with you, because uh, Vabra looked out. You know what I'm saying? As far as my if my memory serves me correctly, he still that was still one of the better running back deals. You, you get what I'm saying? It's just how they go about valuing running back. You know, um, which you know, just I get I kind of just plays to a new era of the NFL being more pass oriented. You know, and things of that nature. Um, so I don't know. I think that there's a lot of value in having um, elite running backs and and letting them be the the, the showcase of the star of your team and paying them so, as such. I think there's a lot of value um, in it. You got to find the guy, though. You know what I'm saying? You got to find the guy. You got to build a system around him as well. You know, so you know, I, I don't know if we would have guys like you know Herschel Walker in today's day and age. You know what I'm saying? Um, they might end up trying to put Herschel Walker and uh play him in a different position. Because heck, they don't they don't value the run game like that. Yeah. It's you it's, know, it's I think that sucks, dude. Yeah. I think that the, the more that you do, it does create um more success or opportunities for success for your offense to be more balanced, but just don't see it like that. Yeah, maybe maybe eventually there'll be a change uh, that I to me I I definitely think they need to flatten the uh, how should we say flatten the uh, payout structure from quarterbacks to other positions. They really need to they need to shrink that way way down because uh, yeah. in my eyes, dude, the quarterbacks are getting just these salaries are outrageous, dude. I'm sorry, like the difference. You mean to tell me that Jared Goff is worth more than Aaron Donald? Absolutely not, dude. Aaron Donald is a surefire Hall of Famer. Jared Goff is getting more guaranteed money. That should not happen just because he's a quarterback. That's so stupid. Like, you're just giving guys money just because they're a quarterback. That's beyond absurd. That's like somebody 
Oh, in the NBA. Oh, he's a point guard. Let's give him a ton of cash. Like that's that's so stupid. I I can't believe the salary structure in the NFL has not been reworked. And at some point, I, I don't know if the NFL's players union, the NFLPA, whatever, is going to rework that. But they need to hammer that and hammer that quick. Because if I'm if I'm a big time running back, I'm like I, I'm done with this bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, we got like ten ten minutes left. That I want to talk about. Aaron Rodgers, all right. The the, the Aaron Rodgers drama. The the Packers traded up for Jordan Love, mm-hmm. round one, pick right. twenty six. Keep in mind, yeah. T Higgins or Michael Pittman, two incredible receivers, were still on the board for the Packers. Yep. To me, it was the biggest fuck you by the Packers management yep. that that any team has really ever done. Not only that. Watching LaFleur laugh on camera while they drafted Jordan Love. That tells me all I need to see. I think they all hate Aaron Rodgers. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is a control freak. And I think that let, let, let's let's be a couple things here. I think that Aaron Rodgers should have control, all right? I think he's a Hall of Famer. He should have control. But the problem with a lot of these NFL coaches, LaFleur and McCarthy. They they want to have control too. They they got their ego too because they're coaching. If they see you the play calling duties, they're going to be like, so why do I need to even show up to the stadium? You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I think, and I I think that the coaches are letting their egos get in the way. And I think that you know it would be nice to see a coach be like, all right, Aaron, you want to call the plays? We'll let you call the plays for two games, and then we'll let me call the plays for two games. And we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see where the stats lie. You know what I mean? And and if your stats suck, guess what? They're coming back to me. You know what I mean? I don't know. Something something like that. But to me, Aaron Rodgers, he, he's had failed relationships in his life. Let me tell you, Aaron Rodgers loves the most in this world, Thad Turner. He loves Aaron Rodgers. That guy is so, he is the most self-centered Son of a bitch I have ever seen in football. I hate the guy so much that, let me tell you, he's going to the Hall of Fame. I get that, dude. But that guy, all the quotes I hear about out of that guy's mouth is how great he is and this and that. And I get it. You know what I mean? Like, And, and not only that, the thing about the Jordan Love thing is they ask him, like, you know, was it a big deal? And, and it's like, he acts like in some of his quotes that, you know, it's a business. I understand it. But then he proceeds to make a big deal about it and how they're going to play Jordan Love early. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, it's either a big deal or it's not. And, and he's making a huge deal about it. And I, I get it, man. Like, I'd be pissed too. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I just, I can't stand Aaron Rodgers, dude. He's just, he's so self-centered. And the way he talks about the whole thing is how, you know, they're going to they're gonna move on from him real quick. And to me, like, if I'm the Packers, I say, all right, like, you sound like you want to be traded. We'll get rid of you right now. We'll pack your bags. <laughs> see, so I, see, I think that what happened was, uh, um, what happened was, and Rodgers got that, he got that wake-up call. All right? So what I mean by that is he, he, he thought that it was sweet for a second. And I'll put it like this. This is like an analogy that, that I see it. It's like dating a girl that when you got with her, right, 
she had a boyfriend, okay? And then later you come down in a relationship, you see that or you find out that she's cheating on you too. Well, <laughs> hell, that's the same, like, why are you surprised? What are you surprised about? Aaron Rodgers? What, what, think about the situation that you, how you got there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't yeah. be surprised. Don't be surprised that the Packers treated you like they are the Packers. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, you got that wake-up call. You feel me? Like, yeah. you you got comfortable. You thought it was sweet. You thought that they wasn't going to do what was best for their organization. They thought that they were it was Team Rogers, not the Green Bay Packers. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, too. They did what they do. When when they <laughs> when when they got rid of uh Yordy Nelson uh that I'll never forget, Aaron Rodgers goes, he goes, you know, he's yeah. like, no one asked nobody around here asked me anything. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to. Like that that's his to. that's his problem. He thinks like he should have total <laughs> control of the team. It's like, dude, you are a player, not an right. owner. <laughs> They're not going to ask you, man. Yeah, and you know that's that's exactly why ownership and the management said, "You know what? Fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. We run this team, not you." Like, well, not only that, not only that, well, not only that, but they're saying like they're not just thinking about this year and next year and the year after that. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking ten years. You know, they are. They're thinking twenty years down the line. You know, they just have a, a different scope, a different vision. You know what I'm saying? Just from a player to from an organization standpoint, you know, uh, so it's just completely different. I don't know who he thought he was, you know, unless he got some stake in the team, you know, he's he's just a player. Yeah, it was uh it's pretty hilarious to see. And, it, and it's ridiculous to hear it's ridiculous to hear how you know, players want to call plays, quarterback or not. You know what I'm saying? You're not a coach either. You're a player. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the sum of all these parts. You right. can't be everything. Right. You know? So. I mean, if I was a coach, I mean, I think it really depends on the coach, you know, and, and who's in control. I think if the coach is able to swallow their ego, be like, you know what? I got Peyton Manning out there. I'm just going to leave the clipboard at home. You know, hey, Peyton, you go ahead and do your thing, big dog. You know what I mean? Like, But there but there are situations that that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially right. in – um certain situations in that game. Right. You know, where but but even in that, you've already kind of coached him through those moments. In these moments, we want to run this type of stuff. We want to run these plays. You know what I'm saying? And then as a coach, you know, you know, how to um give him more freedom or take some away. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it starts off, I mean, hell, when I was in high school, I played quarterback and I and my my high school coach was able to tell me, all right, well if we're running right and the defense overloaded to the right, change it to the left. I don't have to go and look at the coach and him give me the thumbs up like, okay, not, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, go out there and play football. So those things are built in. You know what I'm saying? Right. To the system. You know? So, I don't know, man. It, it, it's just understanding, man. Having some, having some understanding and value and understanding the value in each role that each of these people play. You know what I'm saying? Um, and maybe that, and maybe it's not mutual. Maybe if they have more respect and admiration for Aaron Rodgers, um, they would get them a receiver, knowing that hell, he, he, the thought process was, if the thought process was, he's one receiver away from getting us over the hump, 
then I think they would have made that decision. But that's not what they believe. You know what I'm saying? They're not on the same page. Maybe the admiration and respect isn't quite as, you know, um, on the same page as, he, as Aaron Rodgers wants or thinks that it is. Right. And, and I, know, but, they, but he got that wake-up call. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, and I, think, I think there is a lot of stuff behind the scenes with Aaron Rodgers and, and the front office and, and LaFleur. I mean, we, we heard a little bit of stuff behind the scenes, how – he and LaFleur were getting into it over the play calls and stuff like that. But um, uh-huh. I, I really think that there is, there is a something going on behind the scenes with the Packers, just management and Aaron Rodgers to where, um, you know, like they, uh, they really wanted to tell him, like, just send him a direct message. You know, we're in charge here, uh-huh. not you, you know, like, well, I'm the man. I'm the man up in this piece. <laughs> like Denzel well, and Trading Day. Who you think you're right. messing with? I'm the police. Right. I run <laughs> shit around here. Right. Well, he got it. He figured it out. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't. It's not pretty how he figured it out, but I promise you, he got it now. Yeah, he 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 had that. Uh, he he had to let everyone know that he had a four finger tequila drink. Like, who says that? I had right, four right, fingers right, right, of tequila. He's a, right, he's a really he is a really he's a weird guy, dude. Weird guy. <laughs> One of my he's least a, favorite athletes of all time. Just God, and and uh, <laughs> add in to the fact that he's thrown all these hail marys against the lions. It's like God. Yeah. I can't. And, and I, I like the lions. I, I wouldn't call myself a diehard lions fan, but consider myself a lions mm-hmm. fan. And every time you look up the greatest hail marys in NFL history, guess who's on there? About two or three <laughs> times, Aaron fucking Rogers doing it against the lions. Yeah, but there's a. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks that don't quite. Mm, how do I say it? I don't say not. I wouldn't necessarily say place their potential, but they don't necessarily reach the team success that you would think that their talent provides because it's such a it's such a a game of of a, the correct system. You know what I'm saying? You can have a a less or a, a talented guy, you know, win more ball games just just by the system that they're in, and they can look like complete ballers, but then you can have them work out side by side and you'd be like, shoot, you know, you, you know, you would take, you know what I'm saying? The other guy, you know what I'm, you get what I'm saying? So it's just, a, it's just a complete team sport, man. It's uh everything's got to work together, you know? So, Hey, you it's, gotta have that right chemistry. It's about the, we, not the me Thad, Right. Right. Absolutely. It really is, man. It really is. You, you got any so, uh, final thoughts, dad, before we wrap it up? Man, no, man, not really. I, I had fun. Um, you know, I love talking football. Uh, there's so many. We could have gone down a rabbit hole on a couple of different things. You know what I'm saying? So I enjoyed myself. Anytime you want to uh, do this again, just let me know. Yeah, I will, Thad. I really appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, like I said, man, Thad Turner, one of the most improved football players on the Ohio football roster. Truly, I mean, your story is one that. Uh, it, it makes me it makes me tear up a little, Thad. Just thinking of your story, man. I I remember <laughs> you taking that hit, dude, and and how good you became on the other end of it, man. I mean, that is that is a story that you can not only tell to me and our audience, but your players for just 
generations to come. You know what I mean? It's a, you're a, you're a, a lesson in facing adversity and, you know, dealing with it and getting better because so often in society today, people want to remove these obstacles of adversity. And, uh, you know, you're just a great situation. You're a great example that, uh, adversity is where greatness is born, my man. Well, I certainly appreciate that, man. Um, you know, it took a lot, of, a lot of work, and you know, to be honest with you, it was uh, a lot of, a lot of grace. You know, uh, football is a dangerous sport. I feel blessed to to get out of the sport without any major injuries. You know, uh, guys protecting me because it really is a violent sport. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I just feel fortunate. You know just to uh, be able to learn what I learned, be around the people that, I, that I've been around and experience some things that I've gone to places that I've gone. You know, so uh, I'm just, uh, you know, glad to come out of it and be able to tell my story and teach, you know, from what I've uh, gone through at this point as a coach, you know. So um, Where- it's fun. I love this game, you know. Where are you coaching at now, Thad? So uh, right now, I'm an offensive coordinator at Middle Georgia State University. Uh, small, small school. We're starting up the football program, and um, you know, just just uh, trying to win win ball games, win championships. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's where I'm at now. That's awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking all the time, Thad. Like I said, those stories, those those NFL stories, those are. Those are premium content stories, Thad, that I cannot get anywhere else. But guys that have been between the lines like yourself. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Take care, Thad. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you later, okay? All right. See you, man. to the flow theory podcast you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and tune in